Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Finance Minister Peter Bethlen Falvey joins us to discuss his reskin provincial budget. The boss at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce offers his take on the fiscal blueprint. There's a new company that's tackling food waste in a unique way. The annual end of summer tradition, the X, returns for another year. Olympic champion triathlete Simon Whitfield's former coach has released a new book, and we look back at the legendary career of Serena Williams. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. A lot of pressure going in to formulating a budget in this province. Certainly amid a growing sense of uncertainty, which was the words expressed yesterday at Queen's Park because of, well, the pandemic, the supply chain issue, the war in Ukraine, all these factors playing a part into the retabling of the 2022 budget. Peter Bethlen Falvey is the Minister of Finance for the province of Ontario and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Peter, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Rick. Great to be with you. I'm sure you've heard by now that Ontario healthcare workers aren't too fond of this budget, saying not enough is being made or being done to fix the system. Could you have done more? Are you going to do more to tackle the province's healthcare crisis? We are doing a lot. We're going to continue to do a lot. You know, we're dealing with short-term challenges and long-term challenges. Of course, uh, you know, the, even before COVID, we were focused on building uh, physical infrastructure, hospitals, long-term care beds, putting money aside to hire more personal support workers and nurses to support that physical infrastructure. Uh, and we've hired some some 10,000-plus healthcare workers in that time. But uh, there's always more to do. Uh, very much appreciate the work that the healthcare workers do, and, and many do in this economy, supporting our our, our, our the people who need help. and uh, And to to acknowledge that we we gave the uh, nurses a five thousand dollar thank you retention bonus, which is being paid right now, which is almost eight percent increase on their uh, on an average nurse's salary, uh, including personal support workers, where we gave a temporary three dollar an hour uh, wage increase, and now we've made it permanent uh, to help them as well. So. There's a lot of things that we'll continue to to do, both for the short term and the long term. Accreditation of the many healthcare workers that are in this province that haven't been accredited. Uh, the Minister of Health is uh, is working with the colleges of physicians and nurses to to bring more people uh, into the healthcare workforce um, that 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 have the training and necessary skills to do that. So there's uh, on multiple levels we're working with our healthcare partners, with hospitals. We're putting a significant amount of funding. The budget that I retabled yesterday which I promised I would uh, uh, introduce, uh, if elected and was roundly endorsed by the voters, uh, you know, includes over $3 billion more for health care, significant increases in investments for uh, supporting our health care system and our workers. Minister Bethlen Falvey, there has been an uproar, and I'm sure you've heard it, about Bill 124, the legislation that caps um, uh, price escalation or salary escalation for those in the health care industry. Have you considered pausing it, repealing it? What's going to happen with it? I think we've been pretty clear, and the Premier has been pretty clear, that uh, as that three-year moratorium rolls off, it's almost, uh, for many, it's rolling off to the teachers. So we're negotiating uh, with the teachers on, on, a, on a fair deal going forward. Uh, the nurses uh, will have uh, their their uh, uh, agreement uh, rolling off, I believe, in the next six months. So we'll sit down and we'll work together to come out uh, with a package that, uh, that works for the taxpayers, that works for our healthcare workers, that works for the province to deliver uh, the best healthcare that we can we can provide. Um, as I mentioned, we have uh, 
provided some short-term relief for nurses through the uh, the retention uh, uh, bonus program that we've introduced, almost 7.6%, almost 8% increase. So we're, we're doing uh, on multiple levels things to, to support our healthcare workers to make investments, not just in the short run, but, but also for the long run, because uh, the fact is that uh, we have an aging population, uh, two and a half million people today over 65 that's going to be another two million in the next 20 years uh, it's important that we not just deal with short-term challenges but we also think down the road a little bit and make sure the investments in our health care workers are supported so that we can deliver that service we have 90 more seconds with minister of finance peter bethlin falvey here on good morning hamilton on 900 chml we know that municipal affairs and housing minister steve clark set to table the so-called strong mayors bill today which is going to give mayors in some cities more powers can this propel those cities uh, and others down the line who joined the club, so to speak, reach their full economic potential? You know, the minister will have more to say today, but I, I believe so. I, I think one of the fundamental things that we, we have to tackle among many in the province, and we, we had it in our budget bill that was, uh, that was voted on by the electorate, is to, to build more homes, to build more uh, uh, places where families can, can live, uh, either with a front door and a back door, and raise their family or, or in, a, in, a, in an urban setting in a condo, uh, it's absolutely critical because it's pure math, the supply and demand. And uh, we have 200,000 people coming to this province every year. And, and I'd love to see that number increase, but they will need homes. They will need, some of them will take the subway, some of them will drive, some of them will need to be on a highway. Um, they'll need jobs, they'll need housing. So the tools that we have to, to help uh, cities, particularly our two largest cities, uh, get that done, get more housing built, uh, I think is a positive development. Minister Bethlin Falvey, appreciate the time today. Best of luck in getting our province on the right financial footing going forward. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you. And as Minister of Finance in the province of Ontario, Peter Bethlin Falvey. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The budget has been, well, reintroduced. Your government is actively engaging with health system partners to identify urgent, actionable solutions and will implement whatever measures are needed to help ease immediate pressures, while also ensuring the province is ready to stay open during any winter surge. Ontario Lieutenant Governor Elizabeth Dowdswell delivering the throne speech Tuesday, officially opening the 43rd Provincial Parliament. And we got details of the Ford government's retabling of its 2022 budget. So what does it include? Will it spur some economic activity in this province? Rocco Rossi is the president and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Rocco, welcome back to the show. How are you? Great pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Doing very well. Budget 2022 is back at first blush. What do you think? Well, first, we've got to remember that this is the single largest budget ever delivered uh, in Ontario in nominal terms and even in inflation-adjusted terms. It's, it's, it's right up there. So it is in no way, shape, or form an austerity budget. It still generates billions of dollars of uh, deficit. Um, that said, you know, clearly uh, we have enormous issues around uh, inflation, around labor shortages, and ultimately what we need is an economy that fires on all cylinders and grows in order to pay all of this down and provide for the services that, that, um, that we need. Um, and um, so the labor situation 
is crucial. And some of that is money and some of that is simply better and faster uh, policy and cooperate, cooperation with our friends in the, the federal government because immigration is a key part of, of uh, the initial part of the, the solution. I mean, from, from health care to skilled labor, uh, we are short in lots of key uh, positions that's leading to, to burnout in, in our hospitals, but it's also leading to slowing down work and economic activity in other areas that could be growing, generating funds and generating more tax revenues for the government if we, uh, if we fix that. You mentioned this is a record high amount for a budget, $198.6 billion. That's 25% more than what the previous Liberal government's final budget was, which was about $160 billion. The deficit is going to be $18.8 billion this year. When you look at the document, really, apart from building new highways and some other infrastructure, there's not much in the way of growing the economy, other than the mention that they want to attract more skilled workers to the province. Well, there there were some announcements, obviously, prior to um, the budget in, in key areas um, like uh, electric vehicles. And there's been a significant sort of historic level uh, investments in um, in the auto sector. Uh, there are mentions of important things like what needs to happen for the ring of fire. I mean, look, if we want to transition to the green economy, which which all see as both a challenge and an opportunity, the reality is the path to green is also paved through mines and energy. Um, and so part of the reason all of these um, EV announcements have been made is it's also been sold on the potential of Canada and Ontario in particular as a source of critical minerals. But that's going to mean that we need the infrastructure up to the ring of fire, the, the roads, etc., to be able to transport, and then approvals on a expedited basis of, of mine so we can get to uh, get to that material it it's going to involve you know one of the things and this is is both money but also um important uh policy and regulation and approval uh we on the one hand can't be saying look the the earth is about to fry to a crisp and on the other hand say to something like uh the pump storage uh, proposal in Meaford, Ontario, that, um, you know, sorry, we don't want to see this green uh, project because it's going to uh, potentially affect our our corner of the province. There's got to be some, some give and take uh, in order to move forward. We've got to deal with things like the ongoing debate that we've had for decades over uh, interprovincial trade barriers. I mean, it drives me to distraction that someone, uh, a young man or woman working on their uh, journeyman status as a as a carpenter in northwestern Ontario in Atacokan or Fort Francis, spends a couple summers working construction in Winnipeg, and that time doesn't count towards their uh, C of Q 
qualification here in Ontario because you know, somehow a two by four in Winnipeg is different than, than one in Thunder Bay. <laughs> like those things have to end. Uh, we can't take what is a relatively on a global scale, relatively small economy and make it even smaller by chopping it up into 10 provinces and three territories. So there are credentialing issues and, you know, hats off to the provincial government for putting a focus on the need to ensure that all of these incredibly talented people that have, you know, won the immigration lottery by getting to come to Canada and then not being able to use the very skills that put them high on the list because they've got to go through, you know, three years of hoops to get those qualifications recognized. It's bad for them as individuals and it's super bad for for us as an economy in desperate need of those talents from nursing to doctors to tool and die makers. Well said. we got less than a minute, but I do want to ask you because we're hearing that the strong mayor's bill is going to be introduced today, which will give mayors in large cities like Toronto and Ottawa in particular more powers. Is this going to be good for Ontario business? Well, look, one of the things that it, it, it presupposes is that we've had such difficulty uh, getting clarity and quick decisions on development. Everyone wants affordable housing, uh, but then no one wants it built in their neighborhood. And, um, you know, the thinking behind the, the strong mayor is, is there something, you know, that, that, that can uh, be an umpire and speed that up. And if it works in that way, uh, then that will be good for development, it'll be good for business, and it'll be good for um, the the residents of, of Ontario because we'll, we'll get more housing stock built on an expedited basis, which is going to mean lower cost. Rocco, always appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Rick. Thank you so much for shining a light on this. This is Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, joining us. And in seven minutes, we will chat with the Minister of Finance, Peter Bethlen Falvey, here in the province of Ontario, about the Reskins 2022 provincial budget. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Do you know that the average Canadian family wastes about $1,800 worth of food each year. I just cleaned up my freezer the other day because there was stuff that was in there for, <clears throat> I'm embarrassed to say, many, many, many months. And I thought, you know what? No one's eaten this. It's, got, it's not going to be the same. I'm just going to toss it. Well, there's, there's, there's restaurants, there's companies in this community and really around the world that do the same. But there's a new company that is connecting businesses that have this surplus food with consumers who need it. And it's about to launch here in Hamilton. Sam Kashani is a country manager with Too Good to Go and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Sam, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Rink. Thanks for having me. How does this program work? Yeah, it's quite simple. Our app essentially connects consumers with stores that have surplus food left at the end of the day. So a consumer can fire up our app, look at their local neighborhood, select a local business in which that has surplus food, reserve it, and essentially go in during a defined pickup window and pick up that surplus food. And really, our, our expansion in Canada has been super, super successful and, and thrilled to be in Hamilton 
simply because the model works. You know, consumers get great value, businesses get incremental revenue and traffic into their stores, and we ultimately reduce food waste and 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 save food from being thrown out. This company is operating in other cities. Why look to Hamilton now? Really, our, our vision is expansion across Canada. And when we look at the diversity of partners, restaurants, consumers in, in, in Hamilton, it's a natural extension for us to continue to expand beyond Toronto and some of the other cities that we are in the West Coast. So, you know, we, we've started in Hamilton as just a few weeks ago, and we have over 35 partners today and growing every single day with businesses that really are inspired to help uh, work with us and, and really inspired to help reduce their food waste. Two good- Good to go. First launched in Europe in 2016. It arrived in Canada in July of 2021 and now uh, coming to Hamilton. How much food is being diverted from the trash bin through this program? Um, the simple answer is a lot. So since since our launch last year, Rick, we've saved over 650 thousand surprise bags and that's really bags of food that's businesses essentially would have otherwise thrown out and that's equivalent to 1500 tons of co2e that essentially are is uh reduced from the environment but more more tangibly for consumers we've helped save seven million dollars of food costs by them rescuing surplus food again for food that otherwise would have been thrown out and businesses have saved have driven an incremental 1.5 million dollars of revenue on literally just selling food that they would have thrown out so when we launched last year we had these bold bold ambition to 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 expand across canada and i'm super pleased and excited to say you know a year later we have some really really compelling stats that just validates that businesses and consumers across the country are excited about the platform and and really you know, joining the fight against food waste. This is really a win-win-win, a win for the business who otherwise would have thrown away that food, a win certainly for the consumer who may, uh, as we see, you know, food prices these days may have not been able to afford that food item. And uh, you mentioned helping the environment as well and reducing those greenhouse gas emissions. So full check marks across the board, which makes me think, why did it take so long to implement this? Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly just speed and resources. Um, we're working honestly as hard as we can to expand to all the cities within within Canada, and and humbled by you know any city we show up in, businesses are quite quite excited about our platform, and consumers are excited. So just in Hamilton, we have some wonderful launch partners in the um, in Goodness Me, you know, Vintage Coffee Roasters, um, the Hardy Hooligan, and and many many more, and. Um, you know, really, consumers, as I mentioned, get food that otherwise would be thrown out at one third of the retail cost. So if you think about the pain point that we're all facing with inflation and the rising food costs, this is another avenue for, for consumers to get incredibly discounted food and do good for the environment at the same time. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Sam Kashani, country manager at Too Good To Go. It's a new company that is connecting businesses with surplus food with consumers who obviously need it. What is uh, What are some of the more popular food items that people are able to select? Yeah, our two most popular food items are prepared meals. So think of um, a meal that's ready to be consumed, which is uh, which is part of our, our, our part of our platform. And then the other one is baked goods. So if you think of a local uh, bakery or, or pastry shop, donuts, um, you know, croissants, pastry items, those are the two most popular items. Which certainly restaurants have a lot of waste in and a lot of surplus in, and, and users are enjoying picking up and enjoying.
And last question for you, and we only have about 30 seconds to do this, is is this open to everyone or is this quote unquote just for people who are less fortunate in that category? You know, our, our mission, Rick, is to democratize the fight against food waste. So our platform is open for everyone that is willing to rescue a surplus bag, but also any business that essentially has surplus food. So, you know, in sticking true to our mission and really helping reduce food waste, we really want to inspire and empower everyone to join the fight. So we would encourage everybody to to help uh, rescue a bag or, or if you're a business, help join the platform and make sure that your food is rescued. Well, I'm lining up to sign up for the app. I'll tell you that food waste is one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, Sam, great job in uh, bringing this here and uh, best of luck going forward. Appreciate it, Rick. Thanks thanks for thanks for having me. Sam Kashani, country manager at Too Good To Go. Yeah, I'm, I'm downloading this app ASAP. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. When's the last time you went to the X? It, for me personally, it's been a couple of years and looking forward to going back because the beloved End of summer tradition is nearly here. Yeah, the CNE opens its doors in just over a week. And here to talk about it is the CEO of the Canadian National Exhibition, Daryl Brown. Daryl, good morning. How are you? Uh, wonderful. Great to be here. It all kicks Thanks, off sir. August 19th. How are preparations for this year's fair going along? Well, I, you know, I have to say this is uh, uh, like no other year, of course, after being off for a couple of years. But we're, uh, we're ready to go. We're uh, still, of course... Uh, Working from the early hours of the morning till late at night, getting things set up, but uh, we'll be all set by the 19th. Are the people going to come back? Absolutely. We've had, um, you know, exceptional advanced ticket sales, uh, higher than we've ever had. Uh, so there's uh, uh, an excitement out there. Uh, people just want to get out and enjoy. Absolutely. We've seen that in the entertainment world. Certainly from a sporting perspective, there's a pent-up demand to get back to in a sense, that normalcy, and certainly the X brings and will bring that starting August 19th and through to September the 5th. I understand that more than a million visitors are expected this year. Yeah, typically we take in about 1.4 to 1.5 million. It wouldn't surprise us if it's higher this year. Looking at what's happening at the fairs out west, uh, that's uh, certainly been the trend that uh, there's more than the norm. Yeah, Calgary Stampede was well uh, attended as well, so we're looking forward to getting back to uh, the Canadian National Exhibition. Uh, of course, one of the highlights of the CNA over the past number of years has been the, uh, let's just call it, interesting food concoctions. And uh, some were released, uh, I think it was last week, the, the yeah. ketchup ice cream and the mustard ice cream. What, what's going on here? Well, you know, we always have a secret menu that comes out close to the close to the opening day, and uh, we did release those teasers. You're right. There's mustard ice cream. There's ketchup ice cream. I confess I haven't had the chance to taste it myself yet. <laughs> I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or not, but, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, do you plan to taste both, and which one would you go with first? I think you gotta you gotta you gotta sample them, and uh, I, maybe I need a, a uh, some fries to go with it. You know? <laughs> now you're talking. Uh, yeah. What else is new this year? Well, we've got uh, at the Coliseum Nevada and the North Star, which is uh, a really a high tech uh, projection drone uh, uh, a animation that's going to, I think, blow everybody away. You're going to be swimming with the dolphins and uh, up with the, the stars and, and walking with the dinosaurs. So that's one of the things that Nevada and the North Star. 
That sounds pretty cool. Daryl Brown is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Daryl is the CEO of the Canadian National Exhibition, the CNE. The X returns August 19th and runs through to September the 5th. Uh, there's also a number of concerts with some pretty big names, including Gordon Lightfoot, uh, Tom Cochran, Marianas Trench. Has it been easy to attract that level of talent, knowing that they want to play in front of live audiences again? Well, you know what we did? I mean, for example, we've got Bruce Coburn. We we had him booked for the 2020 fair that didn't happen. And most of the lineup actually were, were people that we had slotted in for 2020. In Bruce's case, it would have been his 50th anniversary of the first release of, uh, of an album. So we kept those people uh, in line and, and in contact and on contract to, to, to do the next fair. So luckily, we, we were ahead of the game on that one. We shouldn't forget that the CNE does uh, impact, create, generate thousands of jobs as well. A lot of people rely on the CNE. Oh, absolutely. We, we hire over 5,000 people in our casino alone, the charity casino that's operating now. For example, we have 650 people on staff. Directly, we hire another 750. And then through our vendors and concessionaires and all of the businesses that participate, you're looking at uh, that add-on to make it up to the 5,000. What are you most looking forward to seeing or doing at the CNE this year? Well, you know, we're going to have a drone show that, that is going to be run, 100 drones that go up in formation every night around quarter to 11 off the roof of the food building. That's something new, and it's kind of uh, looking back when we used to have the fireworks every, every night, which we don't do because of the airport, uh, but the drones allow us to kind of replicate that in a new way, and I think people are going to be pretty excited with it. So does that mean you have 100 drone operators stationed somewhere? Well, we have, I mean, uh, the, the way this works, again, it's a high-tech operation. You, I don't think you'd have 100 uh, drone operators. I think it would be something that's coordinated through, uh, through uh, less number of people on the ground. But um, in any event, it's with people that have done this and know what they're doing. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope they're not falling off the, out of the air, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't want to be telling that story for sure. Daryl, yeah. really appreciate the time today. Best of luck with the X. Looking forward to having it launch on August 19th. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for the attention. That is Daryl Brown, the CEO of the Canadian National Exhibition. The CNE returns August 19th. It runs through September 5th. One of my favorite memories. I have a couple of the CNE uh, riding. Was it called the Flyer or was it the Zipper? I think it was the Flyer, the uh, the roller coaster, one of the roller coasters they had there. Way back, we're talking early 80s here. I was just a kid. And another one was buying a, or having someone buy me, a KISS t-shirt. And uh, I wore that thing until it could not be worn any longer. And the last one was winning a stuffed banana. It was one of those shooting games, you know, with the water, and you have to shoot the target. And uh, I'd be shooting away, and, you know, the bell rang and the lights were going. I thought I had lost, so I buried my hand, my head in my hands, thinking, ah, I just I couldn't even win anything. And then the operator of the game Wax me on the head with a stuffed banana. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I won something. It was a stuffed banana, which I I had for years until, well, it looked like a brown stuffed banana. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A gold medal winning Olympic coach who guided Canadian triathlete Simon Whitfield to Olympic gold in Sydney. You remember that? 2000 Summer Games is now sharing his incredible journey in a new book. His name is Barry Shepley's the former Olympic coach, the current president of the Coaching Association of Ontario and the author of Chasing 
greatness. Barry joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Barry, good morning. How are you? Absolutely terrific, and uh, that was the oddest uh, introduction I've ever had between longest uh, fingernails and toenails. That's, that will go down as a keeper for sure. I am sure as triathletes, they, they try to trim their toenails and keep them short. Well, both that and the, the toenails and the fingernails, because uh, the, it's act, an actual rule, because when you're out in the water, last thing you want to do is have somebody with some nice long scalpels right beside you when you're <laughs> slicing through, so it is in fact something they check with athletes before they go into the swim. Wow. What did you? Uh, what prompted you to write a book? Well, there's uh, lots and lots and lots of the talks I've done. Uh, by the time you finish, somebody says, well, I'd love to hear more about that story. And so over the years, it was the aspect of kind of finishing some of these great stories and really giving some of the history of where these things came from. And, and your listeners will be really thrilled to understand that a good portion of the book has an absolutely Hamilton, McMaster uh, aspect to it because I went to school at Mac. Lots of the uh, relationships of the athletes and the coaches came through uh, the region, and uh, even Simon Whitfield spent a big chunk of his time before the Olympics living in uh, McMaster campus, getting ready for the Olympic Games. We've had Andrew York who went through McMaster and got ready for the Games. So there's a huge, long history of my, my coaching, my research, and then some of the best athletes in the world have come through the region. One of those, as you mentioned, Simon Whitfield. He won Olympic gold at uh, the 2000 Sydney Games in triathlon. He also won 10 straight Canadian triathlon titles. He's a member of the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. W- what was it like to work with him and finally you know, climb to the summit and see him win that gold medal? Well, you know, it was such a crazy journey, and it it dated back to 1984, so some of your listeners will uh, be old enough to remember the L.A. Olympic Games and the great swimmer Alex Bauman lining up, phenomenal, you know, maple leaf on his peck, getting ready for that 400 IM swim uh, gold medal final in L.A. He wins that event, and I'm this young, young, young coach, and I was so connected by that experience watching how an entire country could get excited over four or five minutes of sport that I said, I I need to go to the Olympics. And so 16 years later, I've been coaching Simon for uh, about a dozen years. I met him when he was 12 years old. Now he's a 25-year-old man. We're roommates at the Olympic Village in Sydney. It's the second morning of the Olympic Games. Traplon is making its debut. It's the first time it's ever been the Olympic Games. And this kid in front of the Opera House, in front of the Olympic, uh, you know, the bridge that goes across the, the pier, he wins this in historic fashion. It was a Saturday night back here in uh, in Ontario. And literally 75% of the country remember that moment. They remember him crossing the line, passing the German in front of the Opera House. And I get to hear that anthem that I had dreamed about 16 years earlier watching this incredible swimmer. And so the book takes us through McMaster, my research, finding you know these young athletes. And then you know it's not an overnight sensation, as you know, whether you're playing piano, making a movie, whatever the case may be, it's going to be this journey that has a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of amazing people who quietly in the background are doing some incredible magic. Uh, and one of the sections of the book is a, is a kid named Lionel Sanders, who right now is a second-ranked long-distance Ironman guy in the world. And his story is equally impressive to, to Simon. So it's not just a one-person story. It is really these uplifting stories of Canadians who many people didn't know when they were 15 or 17 or 18. They probably didn't even have that dream themselves. But I was lucky enough as a coach to come along at an important moment in their life, 
be lucky enough to find, you know, an athlete who had this incredible drive and then to watch, you know, a decade or longer journey. And in Simon's case, he went to four Olympics, got, you know, two medals, and now is this incredible ambassador that's giving back to sport in so many different ways. We have uh, 90 more seconds with Barry Shepley, former Olympic coach, president of the Coaching Association of Ontario, and author of Chasing Greatness. You can find out more information online at chasinggreatness.ca. What makes a good coach? I think the very first most important aspect is that you care. And uh, some of the greatest coaches I know technically may not have been you know, brilliant, but they literally showed up every day with a fantastic attitude to help a young man or woman, a young boy or girl, you know, make a difference in terms of their passion for doing something for the rest of their life. And if your athletes aren't still doing that sport in some ways, five years, eight years, ten years after you're done with them, then in my estimation, you haven't done a very good job as a coach. You, you've just, you know, sucked out two years of their life to win a hockey tournament or something, but you didn't create a, a passion for this as a life long thing they might eventually turn into a coach or a referee or something but if they've got turned off a sport because of their two or three years that they're involved with you then in my aspect even if you won it's been a failure and so from the coaching association perspective we're always looking to try to bring in new people into coaching bringing in new people who have that passion and if you don't have the technical skills we'll, we'll help you over time you know technical things are easy to learn but a, a care and a passion for other people is something that, you know, you probably come in with at the very beginning. Well said. Some of the best coaches I've had may not have known or taught the game uh, like the pros or like the best, but they cared about where they were and how they were relaying the information to you to make you a better athlete overall. Barry, uh, thanks for joining us today. You can get the book Chasing Greatness online at chasinggreatness.ca, Amazon as well. Barry, good luck with it, and thanks for joining us this morning. Absolutely. Don't forget the Canada Games are on right now. I'm headed back down to Niagara for a couple more days of sports. So if you want to see sport at its greatest, the whole Niagara region right now, 5,000 Canadians that are down there in 30 different sports. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Barry. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. That's Barry Shepley, the author of Chasing Greatness. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It was a red-hot career pretty much from beginning to, well, we're coming to an end. Legendary tennis star Serena Williams is going to hang up her racket, choosing family over the game that she has absolutely dominated for more than two decades Cindy Boren is a sports reporter with the Washington Post and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Cindy, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks to be with you. Serena Williams announcing that she plans to retire after the U.S. Open. That tournament begins August 29th. What are some of the things that you think about when you hear the name Serena Williams? I think she's unquestionably one of the greatest athletes of all time, male or female. Uh, and in terms of, of things that she's done beyond sports, you know, she she expanded, I think, the, the notion of a female athlete, what, what comprises femininity with her powerful game. She also delved into what it means to be black playing in sports, be a black, being a black woman in sports and in life. Um, she's soon to become a billionaire. She's If she's not already, she's going to be very close. She's branched into fashion and other things. Uh, you know, this isn't the the last people are going to hear of Serena whenever the end comes, if it's 
after the U.S. Open or if she decides to play a little bit longer into 2023, but it doesn't sound like she will. Seems fitting that, uh, you know, the end of her career is coming in New York. That was the site of her first major, the U.S. Open, back mm-hmm. in 1999. I can only imagine the emotion that she and the fans who are going to be at that tournament will be feeling. Yeah, and she's struggled in the past with that. Uh, you will recall she's been on, on the cusp of tying Margaret Court's record for most Grand Slam singles titles for quite a while now, um, since, what, 2017, 2017, I guess, and hasn't been able to, to you know, get that 24th championship. And she's, she's stumbled and, and tripped over herself, really, uh, and her emotions at the U.S. Open. You'll recall a couple of uh, the 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 incident with uh, Naomi Osaka, you know, I, I'm, it's difficult for her, and I can't imagine it won't be much much more so now, especially since she doesn't train as hard as she used to. She's she has other interests, and she doesn't really pour as much of herself into tennis as she used to. She's also forty as well, so we you know we should yeah. cut her a little bit of slack. But she made a great <laughs> statement the other day that she thought she could have won throughout her career thirty majors, letting yeah. a few of them slip by. Yeah, I, I don't think she's exaggerating there. I, it, it, some people might say, oh, well, yeah, sure, but you didn't. But I, I really think she could have. There were several that uh, championships were, that were right there on her racket, and she didn't, didn't close the deal. Um, she's just, you know, she will be actually 41 at the end of September. So She's pulled in other directions. She also mentioned that, if, you know, if she were a male like Tom Brady, she could have uh, have uh, her spouse have a baby, and she wants to expand her family, so it's going to have to be on her. And um, she wants very badly to do that, um, particularly with your 41st birthday looming. And she's, she's determined to, to move on and evolve into something else. It's been coming for a while. You know, she parted with her longtime coach um, uh, recently, like in the last year. And if you follow her Instagram, she used to have a lot of, of videos and images of her practicing on the court and working out. And now it's a lot of fashion. So she's changed. Very much so. And for the better, I would imagine. What stands yeah. out to you the most when I when I read you these stats? We only got about a minute to get a reaction to this. Okay. 73 singles titles, 23 Grand Slam singles titles, 14 Grand Slam dub, uh, doubles titles, four Olympic gold medals, and $94 million in prize money. Is there one stat that sticks out? Probably probably the singles titles. I still think that that is her legacy right now. And, and I think she would say that she would would really have liked to have had the the uh, all time, you know, have two more singles tight Grand Slam singles titles to equal Mar- to surpass Margaret Court. I think that would have meant something to her, but so be it. Well, I uh, I will say this: I think most people will uh, agree that she is the greatest of all time, and maybe even male and female lumped in together. Yeah. Cindy, yeah. really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for reflecting on the great Serena Williams with us. Great to be with you. Thanks. Cindy Boren, sports reporter, Washington Post. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.